Hi, I'm Pastor Kaylee. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Wood Street Chapel in Fortuna, California. You can find out more information about our church at www.woodstreetchapel.org. I was kind of, over the past few months, there's been some uh, thought process that we're kind of going through. And, you know, you hear me kind of joke occasionally about sometimes Sunday morning feeling like the Matt show a, a little bit in terms of, you know, me being involved in worship and then me coming up here. And that's a long time to be just listening to Matt, uh, you know, and there are a lot of other people that are a part of the body at Wood Street Chapel that maybe we don't get to hear from very often, that maybe we don't um, know as well as maybe we think we do. Um, I would say it's probably a pretty safe bet that most of you know my story, that most of you know my testimony, and I know we've got some new people, so maybe you don't know my story, <laughs> and that's okay. <laughs> but, um, but my question would be, do we know each others as well? And maybe you have one or two people that you're close with here that, that you, you do know how God has moved in their life. You do know where God has been faithful. You do see where God has kept his promises. But, but what I would present to you is that if we look at, at the lives of every single person here, if they look back at maybe even times before they had a relationship with Jesus, if they look back to those times and they, they look back at, at the times where God rescued, at the times where God provided when there was no way for anything to be provided, at the times where God healed, at the times where God was just with someone in the midst of loss, we see that, that there's an opportunity for building up the body of Christ. Because what happens is as we share the, the ways that God has moved, the ways that God has, has made himself known in my life, maybe there's somebody else out here that is going through that same struggle, that same hardship, and they're in the middle of it. And we all know that there's those times where you get to the middle of it and you're just like, this is where it ends. This, this is where everything ends. I don't see any way out of this. And yet what we can do is we can come and we can listen to where God has been faithful. And maybe it's that exact situation where God has been faithful in the midst of everything else that seems completely broken. And that testimony of God's faithfulness says you may be in the midst of something that seems impossible, something that seems incredibly broken, but I'm here to tell you there is life on the other side. There is hope on the other side. And in the midst of all of that hardship, I can be here with you, just as God is here with you and speaking truth into your life as we go through this, not you by yourself, but as we go through this together. And so one of the things that, that I started kind of looking into was, you know, how do, we, how do we get to a place where it's not just the Matt show, where it's not just Matt sitting up here on a Sunday morning talking at you guys for 30 minutes and, okay, well, that was my dose of church for the day and we're, we're going to go home now. How, how do we get out of that? And so I was kind of talking to a, a coach, a mentor, pastor in my life who's in Utah 
And I was kind of sharing with him. He's like, well, who's on your speaking team? I said, I, I don't have one of those. <laughs> and he said, well, well why not? He said, well, well nobody, nobody volunteered. He said, nobody will ever volunteer. You just have to make them do it. <laughs> he said, before you became a pastor at a church, did you ever like, walk up and, and tell the pastor, hey, I want to talk on a Sunday morning? He said, well, no. He said, yeah, nobody will ever tell you that that's what they want to do. <laughs> so um, what we are doing is something that we're going to do every month that's called Seven Minute Sundays. And so Seven Minute Sundays, I've asked three people to come up and to take seven minutes, just seven. I promise it will only be seven. <laughs> we have met ahead of time, and we've kind of gone over what it is that they're going to be sharing. We have kind of talked about it, we've prayed about it, and it's their testimony. It's where God has been faithful in their life. And in doing that, it's an opportunity for us to be exposed to other family members within the body of Christ. It's an opportunity for other people to get used to sharing their testimony because the fact of the matter is we need to be comfortable doing this. You know, I get it is not fun to be up here. You know, Charlotte begged me to be up here today. And, and, <laughs> and, and you know, I just had to, to fight her off with a stick, really, but I, eventually I caved in. But the, the fact of the matter is it, this is a scary thing. You know, I, I understand that. This, you know, I'm used to this. This is, this is my life. This is what I do. But this isn't necessarily what all of you do. But we're family. We're family that loves one another, that has only the best for one another. And we need to be comfortable not only sharing our story with our family, but we need to get to a point where we're comfortable sharing our story with people outside of this four walls. Because we just sang about it. We overcome through the blood of the Lamb and the words of our testimony. And so what I will say to you that aren't planning to speak today, uh, get ready. <laughs> uh, there, there is a time where, where I will, will, will come and ask, and before you, you go with your gut reaction to say no, um, just know that I will ask the next month. <laughs> I, I can be very persistent. Um, and know that this is something that's healthy. Um, you know, the idea of, you know, I don't speak in front of crowds or, or whatever the case may be is not something that, that we want to stop us from being used by God. And I guarantee you that the, the stories that you are going to hear today are being empowered by the, the Holy Spirit to speak to your lives. I guarantee you, if you listen to this with an open heart and an open mind to receive what God has for you, you, you will be changed before you go out of this place today. And you will have a newfound sense of respect and admiration for the people that are sharing their stories with you. Charlotte, can I get you to come up? Ahem. <laughs> 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 You turn it on already? I did. Okay. <laughs> Morning, everybody. This is a challenge. Bear with me. The Let's pray. Can we pray? 
Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. God, we thank you for Charlotte. We thank you for uh, Dave and for Carolyn. And, you know, all three have, have chosen to spe- step out of their comfort zone this morning. Have chosen to move from the realm of the known into the realm of the uncomfortable, God. And we ask that you would bless that, that change, that movement, that step. God, we come expecting great things today. God, we ask it would be your words that are heard this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I grew up in the church, giving my life to the Lord as a child. As a teenager, I walked away. I continued to attend since I was still living with my parents. Feeling that they were too strict by expecting me to continue attending church, sadly, I rebelled. Of course, that caused my parents a whole lot of grief. Once I graduated high school, I ended up pregnant. I married the father, which turned into an abusive situation. We ended up having two daughters. After the youngest was born, I got a job outside the house. With the freedom of being around other people on a regular basis, I realized that I didn't deserve the way he treated me. However, I also realized that when I left him, I would probably end up living in my car, which was not a good situation for my daughters. So I decided to leave them with their father who had never abused them. Within a week of leaving, I had someone to stay with who was willing to let me have my daughters with me. So I went with her and another friend to pick my daughters up from their daycare. Their dad pulled into the driveway just seconds before we did. I was informed that he'd filed for divorce and for custody of my daughters. The daycare refused to let them go with me, thus started a legal battle involving his father's money and my lack thereof. Initial custody was awarded to their father and I was granted visitation. Over the course of the next few years, I met my son's dad and married him. During the time, the custody battle for my daughters was a roller coaster. Due to their dad having the backing of his father's money, he had an attorney and I couldn't afford one. Because of that, he continued to retain custody and I was only allowed visitation. After a while, when I would go to pick up my daughters for my regular visitation time, they would start crying and saying that they didn't want to go with me. I would have to carry them crying to my car. I found out later that their dad was bad-mouthing me and threatening them, trying to turn them against me. They were about four and five at the time. After several visitation attempts that went awry, I finally concluded that the emotional turmoil that my daughters and I were going through was probably going to happen each time I attempted to pick them up. I felt that none of us deserved to continue being put through that emotional mess. I gave myself some distance from the situation by not attempting to have them for visits for a short time to get the courage up to make the decision that I would regret for years to come. I ended up signing my rights over, feeling at the time that it was the right thing to do. Unfortunately, I was oh so wrong. Over the course of the next year, their dad's wife would come into my work with her daughter from a previous marriage, as well as her sister-in-law and nieces. After about a a year, 
I got a notice informing me that his wife's, their dad's wife's petition to adopt them had been approved. Shortly after, she started bringing my daughters into my work. It was obviously an emotional, I was obviously an emotional mess because of this. I would have to go and hide in the back of the store while they were present, bawling my eyes out, as you can imagine. During this time, I started drinking every night when I got home from work, losing myself in online chat rooms as well, trying to forget what was going on in my life. Even though I wasn't walking with the Lord at the time, he was still working behind the scenes. I didn't become an alcoholic, though I came very, very close. I also didn't sink to the point of desperation where I took my own life. However, I was in an ultimate low in my life. I ran away as far as I could, ending up in Canada, leaving my son Gabe with his dad. But even then, God was with me. By putting some distance between myself and the situation with my daughters, I was able to begin to put my life back together. After about four years, I moved back to California and took an active role in Gabe's life. Although I was still living in the same small county as my daughters, I rarely saw them. When I did, I would immediately go in the opposite direction because it was so hard for me. For years, I couldn't even talk about the whole situation with anyone without bursting into tears. Eventually, I did make my way back to church. However, after a while, I started dating a man who was not a Christian and stopped attending. When we broke up a few years later, I decided to go back to the church. It was a slow process for me as I was stubborn, but I eventually gave my life back to Jesus. Best decision of all. At the end of 2009, God decided it was time for me to stop working where I was at the time. Over the next year, his hand was obvious in my finances and the various temporary and part-time jobs I was able to get. One of those part-time jobs was a window into the foster community, which is now very dear to my heart. I ended up going back to college at the end of that year and have stayed faithful to him ever since. The healing process regarding my daughters was able to move forward when Gabe and I moved to Fortuna in 2013, being able to put some physical distance between all parties involved. With lots of prayer from myself and many others, as well as that distance, I was finally able to talk to friends about the situation, easing the pain. Out of the blue, in December of 2018, my oldest daughter sent me a request on Facebook. I accepted it, and about a week after, sent her a message to break the ice. After sending stilted messages back and forth, I was invited to have Easter dinner at her house. You could imagine the emotions that I had, both good and bad. Happy that I was, uh, it was happening, yet fearful that it was just some cruel joke on her part. I ended, it ended up being a sincere request, and I was able to start a relationship with my daughter and granddaughter. Unfortunately, when COVID hit, things were not able to go as smoothly as I had hoped. But although it may not be perfect, I still have a relationship with both my daughter and my granddaughter. This is my testimony that with prayer, anything is possible. Amen. Good job.
No, stay there. <laughs> she just wants to leave. Yes. Uh, so, did anybody learn anything about Charlotte through that? She has two daughters. <laughs> did you know that, Charlotte? Yeah. Have you never told you? <laughs> 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 Sorry. And so, as, as we <laughs> go through, <laughs> as we go through this process, we learn things. And again, you know, if we look at the the struggles and the the hardships that Charlotte went through. There are struggles and hardships that you're going through that may seem similar. You know, if, if you stop for a moment, I, I know if I look at my life, there are absolutely things that, that, you know, Charlotte has gone through that, you know, bring hope that, that God is faithful. And I'm sure if we, we kind of all stop and take a look for a minute, that we can find those areas in our life where we see that, that God is going to be faithful, even though there's maybe a question mark right now. Amen? So let's, thank you. Good job. <laughs> Dave? <laughs> I'm very impressed. Well done. So you got to hold that technology pretty close to your mouth, though. <laughs> yeah. You need to have this because you can't hear me. Well, we need that. And then the, the so. people that are watching you online, there's oh, like there's yeah. 96 Thanks people that are watching you online right the now. Camera. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure at all. Can everybody hear me back there? Okay. So when Matt first asked me to do this, um, <laughs> I was like, wow, okay. What's the criteria? So he gave me three questions. How did I come to know the Lord? How was the Lord? What has the Lord done for you? And where's the Lord leading you? And um, that's that middle one. What has the Lord done for you? Well, how do you cram 40 years plus years into seven minutes? That that was a challenge. So let me start by how I came to know the Lord. Um, it was actually through my mom's sister. Um, she was living in Berlin, Germany at the time when she found the Lord. She was there on a tour with her husband in the army, and they did several of those over there for three years at a time. But she came home. I can't remember if it was for the visit or if she actually had come back from the tour. But um, she shared her testimony with me and my mom, and um, it was pretty easy for me to accept her testimony. And um, I had a great family life as a, a, you know, as a child. My parents were great to me. They were my whole world. My grandparents also was my whole world. We lived in Eureka. Um, and I did everything with them. Quick question for you. When you say it was easy for you to accept uh, her testimony as something that you know, that you wanted to participate in. Why was it easy for you, do you think? You know, I would have to say it was because I trusted them. Like I said, my family life was really, really good. Mm-hmm. They, I did everything with them. I believed them. Um, they never, I never ever thought they lied to me. Mm-hmm. So since they were such a big part of my life, um, 
it was it was just easy for me. I, I believed everything that my grandparents, my parents, and and my aunt would say to me. Okay. So I just accepted that, and I, I was kind of, you know, in awe at what she told me and how how that. I always, as a a child, kind of believed of God, but I lived in a non-Christian home. None of none of my family was saved. So that at that point. Um, you know, I'd have to say that's what it was. It was a good family life. Mm. Um, and I questioned that, too. When you asked that question, I was thinking about, well, how do I make that connection? So I kind of went online and listened to testimonies, and they said, look, at, look to what uh, might um, be that thing that causes you to, uh, you know, believe in, in that and what, what your strength is. And it was, my fa- it was definitely my family. Uh, I didn't have a whole lot of friends as a child, um, and I think I went to, I was telling Wendy a few months ago, I only went to one birthday party in my whole life, um, so it was pretty much my family. Um, so being easy to accept it, um, on April 17th, 1979, um, at the age of 15, uh, it was just a little bit after my, wife, my um, aunt's testimony, I gave my life to the Lord. I was alone in my bedroom, and what was really interesting about that is that night, my aunt was praying over my mom to um, receive the Holy Spirit. She had already accepted the Lord, and so I looked at that, and I, you know, I'd forgotten about that as I was doing this, and um, it was kind of like an overflow to me uh, now that I think about it, and um, so... Um, the next day, I, after that night, I asked Jesus to come into my life by myself, and then I asked, went and told my mom and my aunt, and they um, prayed over me, and I received the Holy Spirit, uh, received the gift of tongues immediately, which was um, a little shocking at the moment, um, but um, it came real easy to me. Um, now, did I do anything with that? Um, I would have to say no, uh, I didn't. I was saved, I had the Holy Spirit, done deal, right? So I had a plan, and here's the three things that a, fif- that a 15-year-old that my, uh, I had was I needed a car, I needed a job, and I needed my first girlfriend. <laughs> those, those were it. That was my world, my plan at that time. Um, so... The car and the job both came really easy. I had those by age 17. Um, and, you know, the car was great. It was a 1965 Pontiac Le Mans. I, I, was, I was cooking. <laughs> had a good one. Um, the girlfriend, that was a little bit more of a challenge for me. Um, I was terrified of girls, okay? Um, we're talking breaking out in a cold sweat, just thinking about saying hello to them. That's how, how it was for me. Um, but she came along. I was 18. She was 19. And um, we met at that planned job that I had. That's where uh, we both worked. And she had all the qualifications. She was beautiful, wild, confident, funny, smart. Beautiful. I said that twice, didn't I? <laughs> Sorry. I don't think, I I, I don't think she'll be upset about it, though, David. No, okay. She won't. Um, 
Now, Christian or non-Christian, for one of her qualifications, um, looking back, I would have to say non-Christian, but I don't know, I didn't know at the time that that was supposed to be a qualification um, in a girl to look for. So, that being said, we had our first date on November 6, 1982, got married August 6, 1983, nine months to the day, had our first child on July 10th, 1984, that's 11 months for whoever's counting. <laughs> yeah. Was anybody counting? <laughs> um, our second child came March six or March second, nineteen eighty six, and we moved to Fortuna in nineteen eighty seven. That was kind of a whirlwind, right there, wasn't it? Um, my plan, or so I thought, was my plan. Do you know what Jesus did for me after I said yes to him in April 1979? He kept his eye on me. Um, and I'm so thankful for that, that he, he did that. Because, in fact, looking back, he did give me a great car. But better yet, he put me in the job that I would meet and marry the love Sorry. This is a good thing. Um, the love of my life. You would all know her as Wendy. There were some other things that Jesus did for me also. He put <clears throat> finding a church to go to in the unsaved in my unsaved wife's heart. My aunt said to me during her testimony, you don't have to go to church be saved but I took that as you don't need to go to church besides I worked Sundays at that time but what else Jesus did is he gave me Sunday off to check out this church in 1988 now when I came through the door, there was a, uh, a wonderful man by the name of Ron Neal who was greeting at that time. And some of you know Ron. He's now gone, passed away. But he was my police science teacher in school. And I knew at that time that this was the place. This was the body that we needed to go to. Whether I believed I needed to go to church or not, this was the place. And my unsaved wife was determined to find a place to go. Um, 
basically God has been, has, has the best plan for my life. And with Jesus, Wendy, and this church body, I have no doubt he will lead me through the rest of my life. Every season that I'm going through, um, and I'm going through one right now, that season is I'm no longer the baby of the fam, my immediate family. My mom and dad are gone, my grandparents, my brother, everybody's gone. Now I'm the senior, and that's that's a new life for me. I am empty nested. Um, so those things are going to be big challenges, and some of those, some of you that are here that have been here for a long time know that I've been through a lot of challenges in, in my family. Um, So where is Jesus leading me in the future? Um, I believe right now with those things said, um, and I feel like I've skipped something here when I kind of lost it there. Um, and I want, I, it's very important that I say that. And I'm going to look at my notes here. Um, I don't think I did. Anyway, Jesus, um, I believe with these three things, Jesus being in my life and also my wife, who now is saved, and we've been married for 38 years, and this church body um, who, that I love extremely and, and I'm so thankful for during those times when my wife and I were going through some huge challenges with, you know, family, losing family, uh, children. I have five of them and six grandchildren now and one on the way. Um, these are big challenges and I'm not going to get into detail of the things, but if you have children, it's, it's a difficult time. And I know that with these three building blocks, Jesus, my saved wife, and the church, that's, that's four chords. That's, that's strong. And, and it's brought me through a lot of tough times. Um, but also, he's leading me into ministries that I think I have maybe five of them that I'm in right now. And, and what a blessing to be able to serve the community. I'm a kind of behind-the-scenes kind of guy. I'm not this up here, Matt. <laughs> so this is unusual for me. Um, but God is good, and God is strong. Um, and I think we can overcome that stuff as we're moving through life. So I hope that is a strength for you. The whole thing that I thought about this was what is the strength that I can stand on? And that those are the three things. Thanks, Dave. So one of the things that we kind of start to see is as we're going to see more of these. And I, I think this, this is going to be a recurring theme for us as we go month to month, as we go person to person is you are going to see in the life of every single person that we, we encounter that God is faithful. 
time after time after time after time, we will see that God is faithful, that God keeps his promises, that, that God is who he says he is. He does what he says he's going to do. And that even when we make choices that, that maybe put God on the shelf for a little bit, even when we make choices to step away and do the things that we think are the best, we, we do that sometimes, right? <laughs> even when we make those choices, God, God isn't any less. He, he's right there waiting. So Dave, thank you so much. Appreciate it. <laughs> Carolyn. Good morning. <laughs> She's another one who's really excited to be here this morning. Just so you guys know. I had to, again, push her off and say, Carolyn, just only seven minutes, please. Who knows? It might be two. <laughs> <laughs> um, I started this with what, when I be, was born. I was born in a Catholic family, the oldest of two. I was a child of divorce in 1946. My mom sent my brother and myself to spend the summer with my grandparents because she couldn't afford to keep us. I learned to be work in the kitchen because of my grandmother. I called her Gemma because I couldn't say grandma. And I learned that in a Methodist church in Arkansas. Several summers later, my brother and I were sent to a Catholic boarding school in Nogales, Arizona because my mother couldn't afford to keep us. During that time, she took a trip with a friend and ended up coming back married to a, a man who had two children. Now be, we became a family of six. I started public school in the sixth grade because I had been in Catholic school prior to. Also at this time, I became involved in the Methodist Church. I had missed, I had missed being in the Bible studies as a child so I didn't have the background that a lot of you have. But I knew something, something was different, something needed to change. So somewhere along the line, and I am one of those that does not have a date when I accepted Jesus, I went to a summer camp, a church summer camp, and found the Lord, but I do not know the date. Going, but I accepted him at that time. Going back into January 1956, my jamma that I called passed away. I was 16 years old, and I wanted to go back to her funeral. My stepfather at that time took his paycheck for that week and paid for me to go on the bus from El Cajon, California to Hot Springs, Arkansas. I had an encounter in the D Dallas airport, I mean, bus station, two o'clock in the morning, waiting for the next bus, had policemen come and say, what are you doing here? And I explained to him, I was on my way to my grandmother's funeral. But at 16 years old, in 1956, was a lot different than being 16 years old in 2022. In the eighth grade, my eyes were turned to the tallest kid in school who happened to be later, I found out, what I would marry in 1957. 
I actually took, no, I already did that one. <laughs> After we were married, we gave birth to a son. <clears throat> we had probably five years of up and down, tough and go. Times where one would leave the other, times when we'd fight, but God saw us through. And later on, we had a daughter. We started sending our kids to church. We did not go. We finally started going because one of our children said, how come you guys don't go? So we started becoming active in the Wesleyan Methodist Church as a, f as a family. They had a Friday night Bible study that was open to all kinds of denominations. We had a Catholic priest, some Catholic nuns, some other churches. It was where I found the Holy Spirit. And even though I thought I was a wallflower in that time of my life, I also became the leader of the women's group and of a head of the Christian Crusaders, which was like Good News Bears. He, God faithfully saw me through, even of my shyness. In 19, I think it was 1979, I was driving Tom to work in a Volkswagen bug, and it, be, it was a bright sunny day, and a lady turned right in front of me. There was no way I could stop. I dislocated my shoulder, and Tom got a lot of bruises. The Volkswagen was total. About this story, in, during this time, there was a trip planned with our church to go to the Holy Lands. And I thought, I'd love to do that, but there was no way in the world that we financially could afford that. Believe it or not, God had other plans. We got the payment for the Volkswagen short of $14 of going to the trip. Needless to say, I went to the trip. We later bought the bug back, but it, was, it became a Baja bug, and I never drove it again. <laughs> Tom returned, and this the time goes, there were other things, and, but nothing to talk about. Tom returned from, retired from the phone company in 1988. We thought we were going to Oregon. God had different plans. We moved to Fortuna after spending some time in Oregon. We couldn't go back to Southern California because the prices had changed since we sold our, our home. We came to Fortuna in 1989. We walked in the door of Wood Street Chapel in June and never left. I was working in Humboldt Group in accounting and Tom had, had retired and we talked about me quitting work. But on paper, that was not to happen. So I had just a thought in my mind. The Lord had placed a thought in my mind saying, just do it. And I thought, no, there's no way I can do it. Again, not really trusting. One Sunday, shortly thereafter, Pastor Randy, who used to be the pastor here, came to me just right down there somewhere and said, just do it. And that's all he said. He never said any more words. I went back to work, put in my notice, and quit. God has provided all my needs. We've never missed payments. We've never been hungry. We had a property on... Ronerville Road, we thought we were going to build 
have a modular home built. But Tom had open heart surgery. So needless to say, that was another plan that God had for us. Along the way, we have, we've acquired two children, five beautiful grandchildren with partners, and seven great-grandchildren, ages from three to 13. I lost my husband three years ago on Valentine's Day. Again, a day of hearts. I knew that this would happen because prepared me one time in a dream. You're never really ready, no matter what God has brought to you. I am looking forward to what he has next for me. And I will leave you, this is my favorite verse, and it's John 10, 10b. I have come that they, me, might have life, and that they, me, might have it more abundant and to the fullness of time. Thank you, Carolyn. So, wasn't that so much better than listening to me for 30 minutes? <laughs> Thank you, all three of you, for being willing to be used by the Holy Spirit, to be willing to, to step out of your comfort zone, to be able to share things that maybe you know, aren't things that you typically talk about on an everyday basis. But again, as we all stop and look at, at what we see happening in the lives of the people that maybe we didn't know about, maybe there are those areas in your life that you can look at and say, wow, Carolyn had s some issues that, that were taking place in her marriage. There, there was some difficulty and some hardship that was happening there. And yet, even in the midst of that, God saw her through it. God saw her through that, and there was a, a, a godly relationship that took place after that. And maybe you're in the midst of that, and you say, man, I don't, I don't know how, how God can, can move in this situation God can change hearts. And maybe you're, you're looking at it and there's a relationship that's broken with your, your siblings or a relationship that's broken with your, your children or your parents. And you, you look at the, the testimony that Charlotte has, has brought and we see that, that God's faithful and that God repairs a relationship, that God allows for do-overs. God restores what was broken. There are all of these different opportunities that we have, and as we continue to do this, as, as we take on a, a new one of these each month, we're gonna see over and over that our God is faithful. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. God, we thank you that you use your children, that you allow your children the opportunity to participate in your plan for your kingdom. we ask that, that we would be knit together as the body of Christ and that in sharing these areas of our life, we would be that much closer with one another. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 
Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like more information about Wood Street Chapel, check out our website, woodstreetchapel.org, or email us, info at woodstreetchapel.org. Connect with us on Facebook to stay in the loop. 